0: What's up, gifted family? Welcome to another episode of the show that is the GP YouTube. Just a reminder that if you support what we do here, make sure to go over to GiftedPerformance.com and sign up for our automated coaching service. For only a dollar a day, you'll get access to 15 highly customized training programs, a macronutrient calculator, our meal planning feature that lets you build and save meals based on your macros, as well as access to our private Facebook group. All subscriptions help us in continuing to put out great content to get you to your fitness goals. Thanks for stopping by, and without any further delay, let's get into today's video. Enjoy. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the GPP, the Gifted Performance Podcast, where we give you the knowledge and practical takeaways to improve your own general physical preparedness. I've got, and people always make like the joke They think It's like a funny meme, like, I've got the host of the only other fitness podcast in the world with me today. Like, har, har, har. Yeah, there's a lot of fitness podcasts. But when you do look at fitness podcasts and you look at which ones are getting the most views... And providing the highest quality information. When you take those two inclusion criteria—fancy words, Paul—for you, when you use those as your inclusion, I think that I've got the host of the best fitness podcast out there right now. I've got Steve Hall of the Revive Stronger Podcast here. Steve,
1: how are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. That's a very kind introduction. I don't know if I can take that. Like, take the the. The best fitness podcast, but I'm certainly going to hold on to it for as long as I can. <laughs> you know, you can inflate your ego, your ego is just simply not large
0: enough. We need to <laughs> your biceps have been inflated. I've been watching recently. We got to do the same with your ego. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if so, yeah, if people can tell me I have big calves that make my day more than biceps at the moment. Steve, I, I, I don't mean, have big it's just I don't gonna think happen. it's going to happen. It might, <laughs> it might just
0: never get there. And we're in the same boat, so we can commiserate together. And I'm flanked by my two gifted cohorts here. Mr. Paul Surferini. Paul, are you frozen? Oh, no, he's back. Paul, how are you?
2: Right here. I'm good. That's just me, dude. Just blank stare. <laughs> fucking
0: soul. <laughs> and the kid himself, Cameron Cheek, Cameron. How goes it, sir? So well. It goes well? It
3: goes well.
0: Turn your mic up a little bit. It goes well. <laughs> there he is. All right. Right on. All right. So to, on today's episode, we thought that we would bring Steve on to discuss what he has learned over 200 plus of the Revive Stronger podcast. host to... What, what you would consider every big name in the fitness industry, I would assume that his Rolodex is about as impressive as it possibly gets. When Steve has any question, any problem in the world, he knows exactly who to send it out to. But before we get into that, Steve, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of give an introduction. And I also wanted to hear, because I don't know if I've heard you say it before, and I think Revive is coming up on its
1: five-year birthday here soon. So yeah, kind I, of the inception I, story there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's. I've been around. Like, I, I kind of started revive with Steve Hall. I called it um, in like 2014. So it's certainly like revive stronger. Maybe coming on to like four years when we kind of made the shift where I was like, I don't want it to be all about me. I need someone else involved. <laughs> Let's change the name. Yeah. So, what was the inception story there? Kind of how how did everything <laughs> kick off? Yeah, for sure. So uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And again, uh, the kind words about the podcast, and I can't quite believe how many episodes there have been. And I have the pleasure of talking to such bright minds, such as Paul. I won't say your last name, Paul, because I'll probably fuck it up again. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, where did um, Revive Strong? Well, how did I kind of get into the industry, I guess, was kind of health, fitness, that kind of thing has always been something I've enjoyed, always been kind of active kid and I kind of got into the gym actually I think I first like stood foot into the gym and started doing some weights when I was like nearly 16 so I started really young considering I'm now 30 now I didn't have a clue what I was doing when I started uh, and I wouldn't really count that towards like productive training by any means so I haven't been in for over a decade like to say I've only been training for about a decade properly at least Uh, but yeah I I was kind of into it but didn't really know what I was doing and I had that kind of personality type that is like don't know. I go all in on things, get a bit obsessed and I went to university but I had was thinking I wasn't going to become a personal trainer or go into the fitness industry I just enjoy PE and things and in fact I didn't even take it uh, to like higher levels of education because a lot of the bullies were in PE and I was unfortunately someone who got bullied and I was like fuck them I am not doing PE, it's a shitty subject anyway so I avoided it as best I could so I actually did geography with business at university um, at Yeah, and I ended up, unfortunately, at university having an accident, and that's really where everything span into what I wanted to do. Whilst I was at uni, I was still like going to the gym, but I was trying all sorts of different sports, so it wasn't like I was specific towards bodybuilding by any means. But I was still kind of careful with my nutrition. Didn't really know what I was doing in that regard either, though. So it was whilst I was actually on one of these like ten-kilometer runs, I would do like round campus. I'd have my Garmin watch on and my like Garmin kind of heart strap and monitor. And I'd be like trying to look at my previous personal best and I was trying to beat it. And I was always obsessed about, but came to some traffic lights flashing amber and I was on for an all time personal best. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going. So I didn't look and I got hit by a van, unfortunately. So that led me to be in hospital with kind of, I had a fractured skull. I have some scarring now, but I had some kind of long term ill effects from that where. The doctors think I had a bruised pituitary gland, hard to say that word. Uh, which is obviously controls loads of different hormones and things like this so I wasn't well for a long time and I was in hospital for quite a long time and I always joke about kind of people worry about losing muscle and everything but if you kind of lie in hospital bed barely eat anything don't move you lose like any any newbie gains I had in those kind of like five years before that when I said I started at like um, nearly 16 it's just like all vanished. I was super skinny I think I went in at like uh I I remember 11 stone I can't even think what that is in pounds I don't know why I'm remembering stone but I lost like a couple of stones so that's like 22 pounds I lost during that period of time so I came out super duper skinny um and I came out it was like I think 11 stone is maybe like 155 pounds or something it's not even that heavy something like that I came down
2: something pounds 30
1: 30 20 something pounds Stand by. stand by we're googling 14 pounds, 14 pounds, yeah, so I lost, so I lost a lot of weight Mm -hmm. anyway, and obviously there's kind of like food weight, glycogen weight, water weight, but I mean, I lost a lot of kind of, I lost fat, I lost lean tissue, and I came out super skinny. Um, And I also came out, unfortunately, with a handicap of kind of fluid restrictions and medication to keep my uh, sodium levels under control. I had hypotremia. I should know what it is, but something like that. I had basically incredibly low sodium, which uh, can cause incredible problems, as I guess probably a lot of the listeners know. And you guys know if you kind of screw around with sodium electrolytes too much in peak week, like people have passed away that way. And um, so I ended up having to be on this kind of medication and these, I remember it was 250 mils of fluid I was allowed to drink a day, like a glass of water or something, yeah. it's ridiculous. Oh so I was just holding on to water like a camel, quite literally like everything I took in, I was just holding on to it. I can remember one specific time, I like ate a load of watermelon and I was like fucked for a couple of days. I didn't really <laughs> think about the fact there was a load of fluid in this watermelon. So I can laugh about it now, but it was probably some of the depressed, most depressing kind of period of my life, it absolutely is. Um, so I kind of found solace in the gym and trying to build confidence and build my body back up by training and eating. So I started researching, unfortunately came across like shitty information on like not bodybuilding for like the bodybuilding.com forums, but I had my own like English version. Um, but it was all kind of like meal plans and like bro splits and kind of not great information, but it at least gave me somewhat of a, a setup. I just started gaining shit loads of weight. I was on like 400 grams of protein. I was in like 2000 calorie surplus. I was gaining tons of weight and I ended up um, going kind of, I gained like 50 pounds within a year. Like I gained shit tons. And I guess a lot of it was rapidly gaining back from kind of my, maybe muscle memory and things like this, but I went way past that. And then I got pretty much out of shape. <laughs> I was like super fat at that weight, as you imagine, kind of gaining that quickly. So I wasn't happy at that time either. And that is when I really decided to like look into things a bit more. That's where I came across bodybuilding.com. And that's where I found Alan Aragon. Initially, I really disliked the information he was putting out about like if it fits your macros and things, because it was completely against what I'd been doing. I was very much like clean eating, like that dirty, that sort of food. So I just started experimenting a bit more with if it fits your macros. And I found uh, body recomposition.com from La McDonald. So I started kind of just learning more and more. And I was like, fuck, this stuff is amazing. And I graduated from university and I was, uh, I got like an office job and I was commuting back and forth. And I remember on the bus, uh, not on the bus, on the train, sorry, reading like every single article from bodyrecomposition.com, like every commute was just obsessed reading it. And I remember being at work and I would have YouTube up and I would have, uh, I don't know if you guys know Ian McCarthy this like I was obsessed with Ian McCarthy at the time. I was listening to everything because I was like, "This guy's fucking smart. Like, this is how I'm going to get results." So I used to, I was like writing notes in a notepad. I'm going to be doing like a job here, but <laughs> I was screwing around most of the time. Um, so I was still training at this time, like getting serious. And I started stumbling across Matt Ogus, um, who made me stumble across like 3DMJ, Eric Helms, and like st- hitting the goldmine of like some information and started applying these things and getting much better results. And so from there, I was just kind of like obsessed with the gym. And I decided after a while to kind of become a PT and or rather get educated as a PT. My, my parents never really encouraged that route, particularly because it's like you're not using your degree or. And I think most personal trainers, unfortunately, don't really make it to anything much. Unfortunately, a lot of them drop out early. But I educated myself and did kind of some qualifications on the weekend whilst I did my kind of day to day working and I qualified and then. Decided, I'm either going to become like I was an online merchandiser at the time, and I'm going to be this guy in the office job and just do this as a hobby, or I'm going to make it this my career. So I decided I was still living at home and I kind of quit my job and I became a one-on-one PT in my local gym. And at the same time, I started uh, my contest prep for 2000 in 2014. So I was kind of getting shredded, and there was a lot of kind of surrounding kind of kids from the surrounding schools, and they saw me lifting. They're like. I got the nickname compound guy because I was just doing compound lifts all the time and no one did, which was hilarious uh, when I think back to that. And I was getting shredded compared to like them. Like I was like getting really lean very quickly. And so a lot of them were interested in what I was doing. And I actually had uh, kind of some knowledge of online coaching from 3DMJ and kind of what they were doing with Matt Ogus, And I was like, man, I I think I can kind of help you with macros and your training a bit. But you don't want an in-person PT. So I just started coaching these guys like I think it was like 30 pounds a month that I was charging initially or even less than that and it just started building up as I was getting them results and they referred friends and like the surrounding area I remember coaching like initially some of the people I went to school with who even some of them may have even bullied me at the time and I was just like fuck this is so weird like these guys are seeing me in good shape and they just like want that and so I just started building it up from there and that's where I kind of decided I'm gonna call this Revive with Stephen Hall And I kind of built that brand and then eventually it got to a point where I kind of needed to decide if I was just going to be fully online and I just started kind of lowering my one on one PT hours. I was actually only a one on one PT for maybe less than a year. And uh, I never enjoyed it at all because I was in comp prep and it was my first prep ever and it was starting a new job. And I'm also just not that type of guy that's super confident and able to speak to people. And it, it took me a long time to get any sort of confidence. So, yeah, unfortunately, I never really gave one on one PT a chance, but it kind of pushed me and forced me into the online side. Uh, so I ended up kind of moving out from home into London with Charlotte and kind of had to make online coaching my thing. So I started writing blogs and things like this, to try and get my name out there, document my journey and got to a point where I was kind of big enough to have another person on board. I certainly didn't have I had like 20 clients or something when I brought on Pascal. But I wanted someone to kind of help me make Revive bigger than just me because I wanted to be able to help more people and disseminate better information. So that's when it became Revive Stronger and then brought Pascal on. And then ever since then, it's kind of really just kept growing. And I guess I think Mike Isratel probably played a big role in it growing even kind of better. And we probably helped him as well because it was his first ever seminar. He came over in 2015. And I was lucky to get into that with Mike Samuels, who used to be in the fitness industry. Um, And we kind of brought him over and me and Mike just kind of kicked it off immediately. And kind of, I was blown away by him and James Hoffman. And like the information was all new to me, not new, but it was kind of a different take on the information that they'd heard. And so I was like, these guys, I need to talk to them more, share more of their information and ended up bringing on Mike for a first Q&A. And then it was born where he was like, dude, do you want to do that again? And I was like, I was gonna ask you the same thing. And then it kind of exploded from there. And I decided to bring on other guests who i had kind of been to their seminars, whatever. So I had like Brad Schoenfeld on and people and that kind of built my confidence up. And so I could build the podcast. And yeah, the podcast really came from a position of just wanting to share great information from these guys and the kind of Q&A with Mike. So yeah, it kind of exploded from there. I don't know if I've that's probably as far as I need to take it. Um, but yeah, since 2014, I didn't do that well in my shows as a kind of novice competitor. Uh, I then competed in 2017, did a bit better, but I certainly haven't been like, you know, people aren't, I don't think, really signing up and kind of investing in my coaching that Revive Stronger because I'm some kind of freak out there, but more so for the the information we provide and kind of evidence-based practice and that sort of thing. So I'm really passionate about that.
0: I think part of your success with Revive Stronger is the team aspect of it as well. You guys have built like a really good team, a really good network of individuals that can feel like they
1: can be kind of like part of something that's bigger than themselves. That was always a dream, kind of have a community like that, uh, because yeah, I, I always looked up to 3DMJ and I kind of joked I wanted to be I wanted to Revive Stronger to be the like 3DMJ of Europe. um and now it's kind of not an ambition to be that but like be our own thing um so yeah i'm glad that that's at least kind of from the outside in you see that i imagine you guys are developing like a very similar sort of network as well
0: yeah it's going quick all right so i have three questions but i'm gonna let these guys go first any questions that you have following that right there
2: no nah, man, it, it was a beautiful story, dude. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I really <laughs> like your, your uh, journey that I think a lot of um, us have had in terms of, like, early on, like, getting into, like, maybe
0: forums,
2: learning a bunch of, like, not-so-quality information, but still finding some success in it, and then eventually kind of making your way and finding more quality sources of information. Because I was, like, I was having a conversation with a client who... Um, was getting into some new stuff, and I was like, "Hey, like, do some of your own reading and like come back with questions." Because, and then you know, Cam and I uh, started having the conversation built a little bit, and we were talking about like bad sources of information and stuff. But I'm like, "This is how you get smarter. You you find some shit that maybe isn't like that great of information." And then you have conversation about it and somebody tells you why maybe you were misled, sends you a new article and you can get a new perspective and all that and begin to learn like, hey, where do I find this quality information? And like think critically about it and sort of like make my own decision, you know?
3: Yeah, I think it's super neat because I remember when I first got in, when I when I got in coaching and everything a year and a half, two years ago. The first book that I picked up were the Eric Helms uh, Strength and Nutrition Pyramids, and Paul would kind of just point me in direction, like, "Oh, you know, like check out this, check out this." He'd send me podcasts and stuff all the time, and I guess uh, you, Steve, you guys were you've already you'd became that gold mine already with Revive for information. And I remember I just anytime somebody would ask me like, "Man, like, where'd you learn all this stuff?" I'm like, "Just go to go to Steve Hall's." <laughs> They're like what video? I'm just like any of
0: them. <laughs> just
3: pick one. <laughs> yeah. You can probably find a video on it. <laughs>
2: so, does it does it ever get old, Steve? To the point where it just feels like work and you're because I imagine you're busy as hell. Like
1: with what with the podcast? I mean, I'm sure all of it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think the podcast feels less like work. Clients And, well, they are work. Like, I I can't say they're not. Uh, And obviously, like, I really enjoy, especially some people, like, I enjoy working with all of them, obviously, for different reasons. But some people are, like, an absolute joy. Like, I'm eager in the morning to, like, watch their check-in because it's just, like, they're going to bring a smile to my face. There's just no
2: There's a couple in there that, (laughs) like, you see that email, you you see that text, and you're just like,
1: (laughs) oh. (laughs) Or it's, like, the people... Yeah, unfortunately the ones that frustrate me most are people who like update really ad hoc or don't update at all and then they just drop off after like a few months and you're just like what this is just a complete waste of time. Like I, <laughs> I want people who are like dedicated. I don't really care if like that, that so sure that person's paid my income a little bit for that period of time, but you want someone who's actually interested and invested, they're asking questions, that sort of thing. So yeah, that I mean, work can get old and I only have check-ins like four days a week. So I take weekends off normally and I take Fridays off for like programming so that helps balance it but the podcast is virtually always a pleasure. It depends who I'm talking to. Um, sometimes I think it comes across a little bit in the episodes when it's like I've got a really good rapport with someone and I just find it super easy, super relaxed to talk to them. Other times it's a little bit, I don't know, I'm not quite vibing with them or like it's a little bit more of a challenging podcast episode, uh, particularly if I've made the mistake of bringing someone on who I don't know that well that's been my kind of the worst thing I've done if I'm really invested in that person and I know their stuff it's normally kind of super smooth so yeah thankfully the the podcast hasn't actually ever become a chore for me not yet at least mm. that's because Pascal's hard. doing the hard
2: stuff and like doing all these <laughs> 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 hey,
0: the.
1: hey being the host
2: that's
0: the hardest parter, part <laughs> two-parter for you Steve have you always prepped yourself for contests
1: um, in 2014, I didn't. So for my first show, um, and that actually having a coach at that time really helped me understand online coaching a bit more. Um, so yeah, I had a coach, Greg Farris, who I believe still does coach people through my brain, um, but he does CrossFit more so now. So he kind of moved into that uh, category. So yeah, I had a coach for that. But 2017, I coached myself. Um, and I have ever, I've not had a coach since Greg. But I think part of having like Pascal having a team of coaches and having also like contacts like Mike and Jared and also just podcast guests kind of gives me a lot of resources to be able to bounce that but it's not quite the same as having like a coach in your pocket and talking to them regularly but you can at least I, I did consult with I consulted with Broderick and Jared quite regularly during my contest prep 2017 which definitely helped just keep my head a bit straight. So the second part of that
0: question was if you had to hire a coach moving forward, you think you would go with kind of like the Broderick and, and Jared route just because you've kind of developed that rapport like you were talking about? So I wouldn't go with Broderick
1: and he wouldn't wouldn't take me on. So I wouldn't be so cool. You don't That's meet it. you don't meet the Broderick requirement. <laughs> I don't. I'm too I'm not interested enough, like in Broderick's own words, like he wants to work with like Ferraris and I'm like a Ford Fiesta or something. So uh, I'm not interested enough. <laughs> That's to <him>. brutal, dude. <laughs> And it's oh. fair enough. Like to the average person, I look kind of impressive. But if you are in bodybuilding, like he is like, just like man, go with someone else. And to be fair, he's not experienced with like natural guys. So I'd probably be better off picking someone who has that experience. I don't know. I, I mean, my dream was like for a long time, I'd wanted Mike to coach me just like him to take the reins. Uh, but he doesn't coach and I'd never put that upon Mike. So I'm, so, I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe Cliff Wilson is someone I have definitely like to look up to as a kind of contest prep coach and get some insight into his methods, especially like peak weeks and the final weeks. And Really, you see the people he brings in and they're like completely diced to the socks. Um, but it's always challenging because you want to have someone who has very similar ideologies to you and uh, kind of who communicates very similar to you. So you don't want to go with like, I don't know someone who just don't you don't jive with and you enjoy that relationship so yeah i like the fact that i can consult with many experts i could consult with uh, cliff and like send him photos and he report back to me but i don't necessarily need him to tell me exactly what to do exactly there if that makes sense Well, we're recording with Cliff on Monday. So if you want me to put in a
0: good word, just I'll give you my Venmo information (laughs) after this. You can just send me a quick 20 or whatever you think is fair and we'll get him him on board.
1: I'm talking to Cliff next week
0: as well. (laughs) Right on. Sweet. He's a busy man. A very, very busy man. (laughs) All right, cool. Let's actually get into some of these uh, questions that we had on the docket for today. So the first question that I wanted to ask you, Steve, was so 200 plus episodes. What's the total count right now? Because you probably got some that are unreleased, right? You got to be creeping up on two fifty.
1: Yeah, I, I, I actually don't know the number we're on. I know we're under three hundred and we're over two hundred. <laughs> uh, we have, I think we have three. I just recorded one today, and I think we have three in the the pipeline. So, yeah, I don't know what number that comes to, but there's a lot of episodes. You're dangerously right. close and, to that two fifty mark. Well, and because we have the improvement season, which is on over a oh. hundred episodes. So if you inc- c- kind of combine those, we're definitely over three hundred. So three hundred plus recordings.
0: Uh, I just want to start with some of the biggest lessons that you've kind of learned and maybe been able to apply to yourself. So we'll start off with with training. How has your training? How has Steve's training changed since you recorded episode one? Because I'm sure it's I'm sure it's changed
1: quite a bit. I think I tr- from episode one and when I was like back then. I was trying to establish the principles but I didn't really know how to put them into practice so a book that I really enjoyed and that's part of the reason we brought over Mike was the scientific principles of strength training because Mike had his pyramid and they put out the principles like specificity, fatigue management, overload, progressive overload, these sort of various concepts and I was like man like I've read so many different textbooks that are more associated with like periodization and more sports specific stuff and maybe powerlifting specific. And I was like, there's never been something that I've been able to kind of look at a program and break it down and like, this is why it's good for hypertrophy. And so I looked at a lot of the old programs. I did like 531, even if I did like 531 boring, but big. And I'd like tried to use the cube method and like these different books, like putting things together. I was like, man, why did I waste my time on so many of those programs? And I started trying to build and apply my own programming and try and also incorporate some of the volume landmarks But my initial application of those was so poor compared to now. So I think a lot of that is through discussion with experts, but also through understanding my own body more and kind of how I respond and my mind-muscle connection, that sort of thing has improved. As I've taken more notice of it, I used to just literally go through the motions be like, yeah, squats are good for the quads. I just do a squat, not even thinking about like how my quads actually respond to that, how do I feel it? So actually speaking to like people like Brad Schoenfeld and kind of Eric Helms, Mike Isretel, and how they talk through kind of these principles, how you apply them to your training, and how you might want to progress things, that helped a ton. Uh, and kind of also with Brad bringing up more and more relevant research, which kind of comes from the bro science and like confirm some of it. So like my muscle connection, particularly. So I started taking that more seriously. And I'd also say, um, kind of, initially talking to Brad and talking through the hypertrophic kind of different pathways and previously like he was very much on not the mechanical tension as like the main thing but it was very much like there's cell swelling and there's these other pathways and I never used to consider like training above 15 reps my training was very much like power building so it was very much like five three reps on like the squat bench deadlift and then I was doing like all my hypertrophy work around it and I noticed that I just kind of was hitting my head against a big brick wall, and that my strength wasn't particularly going up. My kind of gains weren't particularly going up, so I was very much like, "Ah!" Oh, when I read the principles like specificity, okay, does everything in my program lead to like hypertrophy? Does kind of kind of go like look at things and confirm that they're the right decision to make? So that definitely helped push me in the right direction. I just started going all in on bodybuilding, which I think made a big, big difference. So yeah, I'd say kind of gathering the, the principles and then understanding them a bit better and then I ended up widening my repetition range that I work with rather than just like 15 and below it was very much like oh I can incorporate some like 20 reps and sprinkle in some up to 30 repetitions potentially even which I still don't do much but <laughs> I incorporate them now and then um, so and then like metabolite work is something I never used to do probably good not to have ever have that as a focus especially as I was younger and kind of earlier in my lifting career but learning about kind of the self-swelling, the kind of higher repetitions, and then a big kind of quite recent influence has been thinking more about kind of the internal focus on a muscle, so when Mike kind of first introduced a while ago now stimulus to fatigue ratio, it's just like, it's such a great concept that I think a lot of us kind of knew but never had maybe a word for it, and now it just meant that I was more careful about my exercise selections, very gradually moved away from the big three, particularly like deadlifting off the floor. Probably Meno helped convince me a lot on kind of deadlift of the floor being pretty useless for hypertrophy compared to other movements. Um, definitely can be incorporated and probably made better but that definitely improved my understanding of things and I think another person that's had a big influence is Brian Miner and he kind of talked about the overload threshold and I think just kind of being able to conceptualize that and particularly kind of tell clients that uh, kind of relieved a lot of people's stress in that. So long as you're in this threshold, you're you're still growing. It doesn't mean you have to kind of improve every single week. It's just not going to happen. So, yeah, in in the broadest way, I've been trying to apply probably the same principles since the podcast started, uh, but I've just got way better at doing it. So I understand my volume landmarks much better. I understand how to order to regulate my training much better. Exercise selection, I'm much less kind of emotive with exercises that I choose and I'm more kind of picking them for that stimulus to fatigue ratio. So those are probably the biggest things that have changed, I think.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something that you do that's pretty masterful is that you bring on a lot of different guests who, yeah, we all agree on the principles, but like Brian Miner has a very different interpretation of how you put this things into methods than someone like Menno Henselman's does. So you do a good job of bringing on guests that kind of have polarized opinions within the scope of the principles
1: and kind of managing that in your own training, which is, which is solid. Yeah. I think it's, I I'm very careful about it because I think it's kind of like when you get to, I, I definitely did this in positions where I was like, okay, I'm going to, Pick the best things from this program, this program, and like, yeah, but the, the program in itself <clears throat> is built to be a perfect self. So it's like, if you try and mix what Menno says, what Brian says, and Mike says, you might just have a complete mish, mishma, mishmash and like mismatch of stuff. You might be doing just something completely wrong. So, something that helped me is just kind of like, okay, so long as like you, could, there's many different methods to get to the overall goal, so long as you meet the same principles, kind of the many roads to Rome type of ideology. and, I just have found a method that I really enjoy that kind of works with my psychology and kind of, um, in practice, I get great results with it. So I've just been confident in that. I think it's very easy, especially for people that do love like digesting all this information. And I like talking to all these guys. If I just started trying to incorporate like everything from every person, I just, I'd just be completely lost. It's kind of that, uh, what's it called paralysis by analysis. So yeah. it'd be so easy to do that. Um, so yeah, it's just, I boil it down to kind of, listening to them, seeing kind of what has been working, my own experience and then running with what I've got there. So that's kind of how I've deciphered it. I wish I could say like, yeah, I've just picked the best from every guest that I've had. And I ultimately own the best method at Revive Stronger, so you better come and sign up with me. <laughs> but on, honestly, it's it's just not gonna happen. And we don't know either. Right. Um, that's the great thing I've learned from the podcast is like when I started it, I thought there was a lot of things we really, really knew. like. We don't, we really don't know the best methods about things. And that's been really humbling for myself. And also kind of the way a lot of the experts talk is like they use a lot of words before their statement, like likely, maybe, probably. And I'm like, man, (laughs)
0: like
1: people hate hearing that because they want black and white answers. But it's just so many shades of gray. That is the soundbite that we're going to take out of
0: this, though. We're going to take out, I, Steve Hall, at Revised Drummer, have the best methods, and you need to come and hire me for them.
3: Um, one thing I, I really
2: love uh, that I feel like you talk about a lot in stress is just like the principles, right? Because all the time, uh, or I don't want to say all the time, but occasionally people will ask me questions or, hey, can you look at this? What do you think about this? And sometimes I'll look at it and I'm like, that's not the way I would do things. But like, hey, it hits these
1: principles. Like, fuck it, run with it. You know? Yeah. Like, so I really like that. Yeah, I think that's a great way of actually doing it as an educator because otherwise, and you can get the person then to understand why that's okay. Because otherwise they're like, but you don't do it this way. Why is this okay? Then they can understand it. It's kind of like um, when you learn about macros a little bit more, you're like, I, why can I pick? like tuna or chicken it's like well because it meets these kind of macro requirements and you're you're all good if it does that and there's so many different meal plans and diets you can kind of have that meet those kind of outcomes that we need so have at it um, people don't like that maybe but it's probably the best way yeah that's a really neat comparison that conversation of macros kind of
0: segues nicely into our next question here: the nutrition supplemental side of things. You've had really, really big names, Martin McDonald. I have, if you have a direct line to Martin McDonald, tell him I had a huge crush on him, humongous <laughs> man crush on him. People like Kamal Patel. The episode with Kamal about supplementation was was absolutely fascinating. Examine.com is the number one resource that I give out to people on supplementation. So, what have you changed about your nutrition and
1: supplementation as you've kind of moved along? interesting question um and yeah with martin he is it's so funny because so many people think he's gay as well on his Instagram. <laughs> the man <laughs> was married he has kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's brilliant uh, i don't have a, quite a direct line i do communicate with him now and then but if you wanted to talk to him get i could hook you up somehow i'm sure he'd be game for that <laughs> um but yeah martin obviously super smart guy really clued up and also like when kamal came on and i was just like geez, like supplementation is such a, like another zone. I'm just like, I, like you said, with clients, I'm like, they ask me about something like, normally I'm just like, fuck, I don't know. Like I have to check <laughs> examine, like you, you can check examine. Like people expect you to know like about all these emerging new supplements and there's just so much out there. So yeah, examine has been out for a long time and I'm so grateful for such a resource. But in terms of supplementation, I don't think mine has changed a great deal. I think now and then I go through spurts of just experimenting with things. I know I like was consulting with Broderick for a bit and he kind of said, oh, you could try uh, chromium picolinate. I think it was picolinate or whatever it is. So I tried like experimenting with that, but it's the sort of thing you're just never ever going to see what it's doing. So I just fall out. Like if I, if I really don't think there's much research behind it and I'm like, I'm just not going to, stick by it long term so I think my supplementation has barely changed since starting the podcast in fact it might have even come down because I was probably taking some complete bullshit so um, yeah at the moment like creatine has always been a long-standing kind of thing I've been taking and thankfully I've known about that for a long time that that's kind of beneficial and also like I think even when I first was getting into the podcast particularly like I still knew like supplements were like this thing that don't really do all that much so thankfully I wasn't too Obsessive about that. But supplements are a real area where you can get into the minutiae and you can really like think that, like, oh, this thing's a magical substance. It's going to do all of this stuff. And like you see also people on like social media, like they will get into the weeds with this stuff and they make out as if these supplements are just like amazing and like a complete game changer. It's like no supplements ever going to be that. Like that's something I've definitely learned from the podcast talking to guests where they're just very much like, yeah, th- there's not something you're going to be able to take that's going to make. Something shitty to amazing, so yeah, I, I really haven't really changed my supplementation uh, hardly at all. I don't think. Um, I guess actually, probably the biggest thing. So I do have something. I take intra workouts now. I never would have taken an intra workout. Um, I can remember Alan Aragon calling it like alien piss. Like, why would you <laughs> drink this like intra workout during a session? it's like fluorescent liquid. Um, it's just like as a bodybuilder, you're not going through that much glycogen, but. Other experts of different opinions, like you say, and I talked to them, like Scott Stevenson. I know he's big on kind of taking intra-workout RP and the RP diet, always kind of recommending particular intra-workout protocols. And I started incorporating those, I think, during my 2017 prep when I was training twice per day. And I was just like, you know what? This feels like it's doing something. Um, and when I do take it for particular like higher volume training sessions, I feel like it's, there's something there. I don't feel like it's a complete waste. Uh, The the immediate thing I noticed was I wasn't like ravenous after my sessions. I didn't get that kind of complete low of like blood sugar. So I was like starving at the end. So that was helpful. That's probably the main thing I've changed um, supplementation wise. I think Uh, the other thing, probably caffeine and being more aware of my caffeine intake. That's probably something I've taken way more um, kind of focus on, particularly because. I'm a kind of really like Greg Potter and I think he's like super smart guy and he's a really intelligent person and he's big on obviously sleep, got a PhD in it and talking to him, it's just like, and talking to other sleep experts, they're like, they're not anti-caffeine and Greg isn't anti-caffeine, but they're kind of like, yeah, I mean, use it like carefully. It's kind of like, it can really lead to poor sleep outcomes. So I'm, I'm pretty careful that I used to like, even like a Pepsi Max or something that doesn't have tons of caffeine, but I would, drink that like with my final meal right before bed, like an hour before. Now I wouldn't do that because those details, whilst they're smaller details, that can have a kind of significant outcome. So yeah, caffeine, I'm definitely more cautious about when I consume that.
2: I like the uh, intro workout thing because I know for a minute that was getting hammered in the evidence based community. Actually, you know what? I think in general, the worst thing to ever happen to the supplement industry was the evidence based game. It <laughs> <Yes. laughs> just annihilates that, uh, that whole sector. Outside of maybe some general health stuff, because you're right, like a lot of the hypertrophy-focused supplements, once you really dig into the weeds and you start looking at, like, you know, the populations and studies, methodology, you're like, I'm not so sure that this is that great. And then you actually put it into practice in real life, and you, three months later, you're like, I, I'm not sure I'm any bigger. What have I been doing? Like, what have I been putting in my body? Um, but uh, the intra workout stuff. I feel like there's always such a swing in the pendulum where, like, people are like, oh, that's fucking stupid. Why would you ever do that? Nobody does it. And then, you know, some people love it. And ultimately, though, it's like, fuck it, man. Like, you were in a predicament where you were training twice a day. So there might actually be, like, some legitimate, like, oh, there's really, like, good utility for that, you know. But at the very least, maybe somebody training once a day or maybe because of their life schedule or whatever, like, it can't hurt, right?
3: their food is high enough but I know if I'm at like sub
1: 150
2: carbs I'm not that was another caveat like if you have the macros for it like why not you know yeah
1: yeah I can see that and I think overall with my nutrition and I I'm just way more careful with it I think and I've gone to a really good routine and structure of just like I think with nutrition for hypertrophy I just uh, we kind of know mostly what we need to do there the only thing I've probably recently changed and I've tried to structure a little bit more this way and it's a little bit difficult once you're in such a strong routine with how you eat to get there but taking into consideration the crony nutrition research and how maybe we want to fat like uh, front load fat and carbs a little bit more and not have shit tons of food right before bed that might not be the best uh, kind of solution for body composition and also sleep so that's something I've been looking into a bit more but I'm not like Same with like intro workout, it's very much like person specific, context specific. And that's something the podcast has taught me is like, you can learn a lot from a lot of people and they've got a certain position or stand because of their experience. So normally there is context behind it. When you get them together to talk through things, they align much more closely than what might on the surface look like. They're kind of black and white opposite.
2: Until you're in contest prep and you're like, oh shit, I need to eat as much food as I can right before I go to bed. I need to go to bed
1: immediately. <laughs> that is <a> ch- yeah, <laughs> I do agree. <laughs> I always would put, what, oh yeah, contest prep pre-bed. I'd always plan that meal kind of first. So I just had like that security blanket at the end of the day. So I'm like, at least I know I've got this here. <laughs>
2: yeah, you don't want to hit the end of your day and you're like, cool, I get six egg whites.
0: <laughs>
2: then I got to go to bed.
0: I don't know if Paul and Cam have listened to the episodes with Greg, but I have to listen to those very sparingly because they remind me how bad my sleep and my caffeine habits actually (laughs) are. I listen to it, and I'm like, I might have 10 years left on this earth before I die, according to Greg. You guys got to stop
2: with that sleep research. Like, we all know (laughs) if you want optimal gains, you got to get a good night of sleep. We don't need to know that we're going to get, like, four different types of cancer. (laughs) That, like, we're going to be borderline retarded in eight years, you know, all timers, like, dude.
1: <laughs> have you guys read Why We Sleep? Uh, Don't Is read that it. Matt Walker?
0: <laughs> yeah. Have you read um, Greg Knuckles' post that it, it was an article
1: debunking a lot of what was in that book? I have. Um, and it, Greg actually did a rebuttal to that article. Oh. On Dave McConney's podcast, but okay. that's you get right into the weeds. Uh, so yeah, it's actually shocking how much like I think Matthew Walker oversold it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that seemed so. Downsides. I haven't I haven't
0: heard his rebuttal, but yeah, it seemed like he mi- kind of intentionally unintentional. We we can't say for sure, but misrepresented some of that data and used it yeah. to kind of like springboard himself to the position that he's in now. I mean, he's been on Rogan at least once. He's the head of sleep research at Google. It's like good on him for, for making that jump. But at the same time, I think you scared a lot of people on sleep. Yeah. It's,
1: it's, uh, this is where we get into the discussion of like, it's, it's so disappointing when someone looks like such a trusted resource to then misinform. So it's, it's so careful when you, when I have people on the podcast, like I'm, I, I hate it. If I end up getting a guest on who, unfortunately, when I later find out like they have misinformation or something and I'm just like, ah, like it's you have to be really I, I feel like I have a responsibility not to have people on that could potentially go down that route and it's funny because I wanted to get Matthew Walker on I thought for some reason I'd be able to get him on but um yeah I was never gonna get him on what's I'm I'm just curious what's your method of like reaching out to people to get them on your podcast so uh, nothing special probably just how you guys reached out to me basically just like send them an email do you Want to come on, and then I send them all the information um, that they need to kind of know how to come on. Thankfully, that's been people I mean in our industry are so like giving up their time. Like, I sometimes, like you said, there's a lot of people with fitness podcasts, and I sometimes see some of these smaller podcasts who have had like Mike on or Eric Helms on, and I'm like, man, like that podcast is they're not going to get that many views, and like they've given an hour of their time, which probably they could charge a lot of money for if they're having a consultation and they're just giving it to free to this tiny little podcast so yeah thankfully our area is very amenable in that way
3: like lyle came on and talked to our ear off for four hours straight four <laughs> hours four hours dude i had a whole day planned out i had like four or five programs i was gonna write that day the podcast was at like 11 a.m and we got done and i was getting up from my desk around like 3 to 4 p.m and i was like man i'm hitting the gym and my day's over <laughs> like what'd you do today lyle. I, I, have
0: I think a lot, i've actually I have a lot a question for you steve yeah are you and lyle friends
1: <laughs> um so i like to be friends with everyone um <laughs> lyle's not friends like he's not my friend unfortunately he's um, not my
2: friend Steve <laughs> 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 went from smile to just being like he's not my friend, he's my friend.
1: <laughs> unfortunately because he was one of the first inspirations I got because of body recomposition.com and I love listening to him I actually have listened to that for I didn't realize it was four hours but I must have listened to it at some point because I remember listening to the episode that you did with him I think he speaks really well really clearly and unfortunately he has that side to him where he does I don't know end up kind of rubbing he ends up people rubbing the wrong way and at some point i have done that and so he has decided that we are not friends anymore so yeah he won't be coming on the revive stronger podcast so i don't expect at least anytime ever <laughs> but, yeah. mostly just because you're blocked everywhere <laughs> i'm actually i i, I want to stay in there so i unless he watches this and then removes me i'm in his facebook group still um which i think is a pretty good like resource of information so i like to stay in there but i'm not i don't think i'm like his facebook friend or anything so yeah and think you just catch him on one of those bad days and
0: dude, it is it is not pretty
3: there was that one time oh, we love you laugh i i had an athlete who just posted a, a photo on facebook like quarantine ain't stopping these games or something like that and he was just like your calves look like shit i don't even know <laughs> like just not didn't even know the guy
0: yeah yeah i had <laughs> to just, message he that, even, client. He took it further than that huh he took it even further than that he was like oh this like bullshit quarantine from this like fake virus and lyle's like you think your body when there's a global pandemic you fucking <laughs> small calf idiot <laughs>
3: and I remember Elias was like, uh, he was like, man, who's this old dude? And I'm like, that's Lyle. let
0: <laughs> will start. I'll start with that.
3: I was like, I, I probably wouldn't venture for it. All
0: right. So let's reel it back in. So, Steve, you kind of talked about having... A guest maybe that spreads misinformation or maybe someone that you don't really vibe with on the podcast so it's kind of hard to get that conversation going what do you think what in your mind separates something that you consider to be a great episode you hit stop recording and you're like wow that was fantastic versus one that's that's
1: not so good so that's you kind of called it there when I like when it feels and maybe they give a really short answer and they don't kind of give a leading thing or anything along those lines or you say like a reply and then they're just kind of like blankly there waiting for the next question. That can be a challenge and I think just some people aren't made for podcast interviews um, just because it's not their thing which is fine they may be better at writing or something along those lines Uh, and I can't admit that like I'm an amazing communicator or anything and like amazing at small talk so I struggle in those situations equally as hard but if I know the person They've come on several times, uh, maybe even we chat now and then over on like social media or something. Those episodes where like I'm having a laugh with the person, but it's also like productive. We are getting some new information, maybe said in a different way or we're covering a different topic. But yeah, the, the episodes where there's like a great rapport, good relationship where I feel like they've enjoyed the podcast themselves. Like they haven't just given an hour of their time, like fuck Steve, like I <laughs> just was- wasted an hour of my time <laughs> when they come off it and they feel like they've enjoyed it. I think then I've, that that's the best episode to me. And I think, um, at least I, I feel like you probably get to listen to some episodes and like, Oh, you feel like, I think the, the listener would enjoy that more as well when it just runs so smoothly. And I think that's why people really enjoy the ones with Mike. Not only because Mike is obviously a great speaker, really kind of charismatic and funny at the same time, but also just because we kind of have a nice back and forth. And he'll even ask me, like, my opinion on some stuff sometimes, which is always nice. And, like, a guest can't always feel that way. And he's come on a lot. And we've met in person, um, which makes it easier as well. So, yeah, I'd say those episodes, uh, the ones where you have a good rapport with the person and some people are just really open. So I, I know I really enjoy doing episodes with Lee Peel don't know if you guys are aware of her um but yeah she's she was on on the fit cast and that was one of the first fitness podcasts I ever listened to uh, and I really enjoyed that and like I'd always like just thought she was a great person and I got her on the podcast and I bring her on like now and then and every time we catch up I'm just like Leah like she is such a nice woman and like I just enjoy having a chat with her so some people are just I don't know you just I guess like people in like real life you just kind of have a vibe with them
0: And Mike's Mike's a good example. So and we talk Paul and I have talked about this a lot. Mike Mike says some stuff that maybe we disagree with in terms of like application on training, nutrition, contest prep, stuff like that. But you just can't fault the guy in the way that he communicates. He communicates so effectively in the way he draws
1: you in the way he speaks. He seems like like you said, someone who's just very easy to speak to. No, absolutely, and if you guys ever meet him in person, he's, like, exactly the same. He's always joking, but he has, like, he, he will think of things where I'd just be blank. Like, if you ask him a joke for a joke, he just immediately give you a joke. Like, he will have yeah. one at the tip of his tongue somehow. I'll just be like, I fucking don't know any jokes. <laughs> like, I'm just here. Um, so, yeah, his mind just works, I think, at a million miles per hour, but somehow he manages also to keep it very kind of real and down to earth, whereas actually he's, like, mega intelligent. So it does make when you speak to him and hear the information, it makes it not only easy to digest, but also quite convincing a lot of the time. So yeah, it's, I think he's got a good combination there. And he's obviously knows also how to like argue and convince. Hence he's done like whole like hour long presentations on arguing to convince. So he knows what he's doing as well, which it it could be dangerous with the person who doesn't have the ethics and morals and scientific kind of background that Mike has, because it could be easy to spread misinformation i think people do use that they use that kind of charisma and ability to convince um to spread just like terrible information and hopefully mike's mostly not terrible (laughs) mike's the
0: guy that's gonna he's gonna retire from rp and he's gonna be like a high school debate teacher one day (laughs) (laughs) um so another question about your episodes so in your opinion have there been any episodes that you've you
1: think maybe flew under the radar didn't It deserved that's a good question um if i really let's say the episode with paul that's an easy one there i don't know how many views it even got (laughs) there you go paul you got your shout out (laughs) i paid him good money for that by the way (laughs) but oh
2: god oh well i was gonna say uh going back a little bit man i really do think you have a you've developed a really good skill because i know you said you weren't very com- confident early on of keeping conversational because that podcast i did with you i think was my first real like podcast ever and uh i was hella nervous for it probably very very apparent um but it you made me feel pretty as comfortable as i could be the entire process and That's kept good. it going and had good like segues and connections and stuff so yeah, man, I think you're really good at that.
1: I appreciate that. And I think that's it's helped by knowing like I know who you are, I know your stuff. so I know kind of we think similarly, so it helps that I can I kind of think of myself as people listening are probably very similar to myself and so they think of the same sort of questions and kind of they think of the same kind of practical application and stuff. so it kind of comes naturally in a sense. And I like listening and I don't really like talking a high level lot. So it's nice to just sit back, let the person go and then, if I think of someone, just like okay, I'll edge them this way. So no, I appreciate that, and I hope that that I do it so much, it should improve from where it's been. Um, but definitely, episodes like with people like Paul, who don't have necessarily like as big a name as Eric Helms, or those episodes with people who are like the scientific, evidence-based researchers, practically in the field, they won't get the respect and the attention they deserve because it isn't a big name, whereas they should. Uh, and that's where some of the, the gold information is found. So I'm, I love it when I can find someone like Paul uh, who is like doing what they're doing and I can start bringing them out into the wider community because then that's kind of the goal of the podcast is to bring out bigger names. It's, it's great having episodes with Mike and with Eric, but they're not really reaching probably new audiences and new people they're kind of reaching the same people and they've got that like they've got more followers and people than me even so um they're not necessarily benefiting in that way so when i can take someone like i said like paul if, now i don't know if you've been on many other podcasts but when i see that like someone like gabrielle fondero like, i can remember bringing her on for gut health and like that apparently really helped springboard her career in terms of like different podcasts people get in touch for that sort of problem it's very specific and niche so i can see why that happened but it's that to me is like amazing that's partly why i do the podcast so yeah those episodes i think definitely fly under the radar like lee peel again not many people i think in like the bodybuilding niche industry have maybe heard of her so she's also female which i think a lot of the listeners are probably male and maybe they don't want to listen to a female as much so they kind of go under the radar a little bit so yeah it's unfortunate but the dedicated listener will will get that kind of goldmine of information
3: i remember whenever paul got invited on and i was like no shit. Like, holy hell, really? And I remember listening <laughs> and, like, screenshotting it. Be like, Paul, this is you. You're on here. Like, what
0: <laughs> And Paul was super nervous. He's like, what do I say? Like, what do I talk about? I was like, I don't fucking, the topic? What the fuck are you guys talking about? R.I.R.? T- try talking
3: about R.I.R. How about some of that? You just hear Pancake's feet the whole time in the background just <laughs> back and forth. And
0: Steve, I'll throw one more compliment your way before we kind of outro here. I think that you do a phenomenal job as a podcast host of letting the guests speak and then just kind of edging them on as as you go. theres I listen to so many podcasts where it just sounds like the host just wants to be the star of the show and you they're interrupting and they're not letting them speak and every little thing is a question. Oh, well, here's a story about me. Now that we're talking about you, here's a quick story about me.
1: So that's something that I really admire about about you. I appreciate that. And something I also, like I said, I think it's part of my nature. And that's why the podcast has probably grown to where it is, because it's just kind of I'm lucky that I have the skill of just not like it's just sitting back and listening to the person and kind of like that comp style of conversation. But something I definitely want to work on as a host is making sure I feel like sometimes I edge I kind of bias questions to get a certain answer because that's my feeling and the way I like things. And I want to make sure I don't do that so often. It's really hard though to like not bias a question in a certain direction because you almost know their answer as well quite often. So it's something I'm working on. I need to make sure that I'm not getting too in that sense. Paul, Cam, anything you wanted to circle back to?
3: i've just i've just had fun just listening
0: <laughs> see <laughs> like, on me every
3: episode. <laughs> this like this was the guy that i listened to to like pretty much find all and so much information now he's on here and i'm like oh
0: this, this is kind of cool <laughs> and he's got a guest bedroom i've heard so if we ever go to the uk we can all just we can all bunk with steve as long as you're happy, me training in here and working here, I'm <laughs> so, uh, happier that way. So, Steve, before we go, before we kind of outro here, I want to give you a chance to shout out any revive stronger uh, projects that you're working on in the future. Kind of what does 2021 hold?
1: Member site, coaching, all that. So, <laughs> I was just gonna say, I think pro- the only things I'm thinking are gonna happen. Is, I hope happen in 2021 is first the seminar that was meant to happen this year. So that's Mike, Jared um eric and alberto and they were meant to have we ended up doing it on the podcast basically which was kind of happen chance it wasn't like (laughs) planned that way they were meant to be face-to-face kind of arguing about these things or discussing (laughs) sorry uh so that would have been interesting if that happened hopefully that can go ahead especially like maybe there's the vaccine or whatever that's going to allow that to go ahead it'll probably be tricky for eric because i know new zealand are pretty strict on what they let people do so hopefully that seminar goes ahead which will be the biggest and probably the the best we've ever run and then the only other exciting things are I should be prepping next year so I should be competing I was going to compete this year obviously got called off so hopefully next year I'll be stepping on stage and see what happens um, that'll be interesting and uh, Pascal may also be competing for the first time I really hope he does because selfishly I just want to see him shredded and see what he can bring um but yeah that'll be cool and then yeah no real other things we have the member site which we're trying to grow um there's other other than that there's not too much else i don't think so yeah i, I appreciate being on and yeah you can find all of that revivestronger.com. so if people want tickets or anything a lot of them are sold from this year but there might be some we may get a bigger venue we'll see so yeah i appreciate being on
3: I
2: think
1: yeah.
2: I, I feel like if you guys both prep at the same time, that is going to be like revive stronger's <laughs> least productive. <user>. <laughs> <laughs> and Jess has made as well. Group
1: where they can just answer all their own questions together. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes in prep where it's like, there's a period in prep where you're like super on it and you're really productive. Or at least I hear people say that. I can't actually imagine. I don't even know if I am like that. I know there's a point in prep where I'm like getting through my client check-ins as a like fuck
2: Fuck when i first start dieting there's like this like earlier middle point where i feel better i'm more alert like i sun comes up i'm awake and you know we're not lazy and then there's that portion where you're just like i hate everything anything at all even a little bit don't text me
0: like everyone just witnessed that it's the stories it's paul's instagram stories that it's just like the black screen and the white text and it's just like Fuck all to- of my <laughs> clients leave no. me alone no, that was not directed to clients <laughs> <laughs> all right so i will go ahead and i'll drop all the links to the seminars the member page all that below um or the membership site all below so you guys can sign up get more content from steve and the revive stronger family That's Paul. You can find him at Pauly underscore Rocket for those stories where he says fuck his clients and all that fun stuff, all the ranting from Paul. That's at Cameron underscore Cheek down there for all your contest prep nutrition needs. As always, I am at the underscore squad father or at gifted performance on Instagram. Like, comment, subscribe, do that YouTube stuff that YouTube people talk about all the time. We will catch you on the next one. And as always, guys, stay gifted. See ya. Paul, you want to do your bye? Bye. (laughs) Not the
3: same without it.